The Lord be with you, Pillar Church. My name is Tim Brown, and I am so grateful and honored uh, to be a part of this summer series while your pastor is on sabbatical. Speaking of your pastor, I saw him just the other day, and he's doing wonderfully well. Actually, I think I have a picture of his sabbatical. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's the wrong picture, Christian. The other one. Oh, there you go. That's a picture of John and Kristen in Wyoming on a great hike in the mountains. He's using this time uh, to be refreshed and strengthened and ready for another run here in our life together at Pillar Church. And I'd like that, wouldn't you? Um, in, in just a moment, I'm going to share with you um, a rather unusual chapter in the Bible. It's uh, Jesus imagining what it will be like for us when the end comes. I think you'll want to lean forward and listen very carefully to this. But before we do, uh, pray with me, please. Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit, our teacher, and the glory of Jesus, our single concern, in whose name we pray, Amen. Listen with me to these words from the book that we love. As he, that is Jesus, was coming out of the temple, one of his disciples asked him or said to him, Rabbi, look, what large stones and what large buildings? Jesus said to him, so you see these large buildings. Truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown over. A little later, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him, and they said to him, Rabbi, when, when will this be, and what will be the sign that these things are about to take place? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and many will be led astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places, and there'll be a great famine in the land. But this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. As for yourselves, beware, for they will hand you over to councils. You will be beaten in synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings on account of me and as a testimony to them. But the good news must first be proclaimed in all nations. And when they bring you to trial, do not worry what you are about to say beforehand, because it will not be you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to, to death, and you will be hated 
by everyone on account of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. My, this is the word of the Lord. That's some kind of passage, isn't it? And what strikes me immediately is how wonderful that Jesus cared enough about his disciples and about us to give us a kind of foreshadowing, a glimpse, to get us ready to serve him faithfully to the end. As, I, as I'm listening to this, uh, several things come to my mind that are moving, and one thing comes to my mind that is deeply challenging and calls for all of us to give our best to it. Here's the first thing that I found deeply moving. What did you make of that uh, exchange between Jesus and his disciples when one of them said to him, Rabbi, look, what large stones and what large buildings? You know, this is one of those instances in the Bible where we can historically verify exactly what's going on. I want to show you a picture of the temple in a cutaway picture of the temple in Jerusalem and show you what one of those stones looks like. You can see it's massive. That particular stone that we're looking at right now is 10 feet high, 9 feet wide, and 54 feet long. And it weighs 570 tons. And furthermore, it's 40 feet up in the wall. I remember my first trip to Jerusalem, and I saw that amazing stone. And my dad, who was a building contractor, a, a mason, a bricklayer by trade, I called him and said, how did they do that? My dad was a very smart man and a really good engineer. If anyone knew, he knew. And he said to me, I don't know. And nobody really knows, how is it that they pulled this off? But the point being is that they were gazing agape at the temple, but not realizing that one greater than the temple was standing right there with him, with them. Jesus said, so you're impressed with these stones, are you? I'm telling you, there's coming a time when every stone will be thrown over that great amazing temple in Jerusalem would be completely destroyed in 70 AD by a Roman general named Vespasian. He would come and throw all of those big boulders off the Temple Mount. But even he misses the point because the real temple, the real residence of God was Jesus himself. I just find that very compelling. Jesus Christ is the representation of God in the world. So that's the first thing I wanted you to see, but here's the second thing. We're told a little later, he was sitting on the Mount of Olives and Peter and James and John and Andrew came to him. You know, I think this is the original city group. Jesus Christ gathered with his disciples 
and he spoke with them personally. He knew their names. He knew their stories. He cared about them. He knew Peter, that he would deny him three times, but Jesus himself would restore him. He knew John, who wanted to rain down fire on a particular village in Israel, but Jesus would have to teach him, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All of this in this small group is going on, which actually makes me think of another verse in the Bible. It's in the book of Hebrews, where it says, do not forsake meeting together, as is the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, the, the energy that our pastors and leaders uh, spend on urging us into small groups is a really important thing because we need each other, need each other more than we ever imagined. Actually, in 1985, when I was still the pastor at Christ Memorial Church and feeling very overwhelmed by the work that I was doing, thinking to myself that I just couldn't go on like this. I shared that with a friend, actually with two friends on a Wednesday morning. And they said to me, well, I think we better start meeting together. That threesome began meeting on a Wednesday morning at seven o'clock in 1985. And we met last Wednesday at seven o'clock a long run of 38 years in the same small group. Do not forsake meeting together as the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus gathered in small groups and he urges us to do the same. I find that really compelling. But here's a third thing that I find really compelling and I'm wondering what you were making of it. Jesus says, but the, but the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. In a sense, Jesus is saying that one of the things that is holding up my return in power and glory and for the restoration of all things is that my name has not yet become proclaimed in every nation. Now, I'm thinking some of you are imagining to yourself, well, that can't be true. We've got satellites beaming the gospel into every nation. That's already done. But we're actually missing a point. Quite frankly, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, which I've memorized and am reading this morning, mistranslates the word nation. The Greek word behind it is actually this, ta ethne, ta ethne. Can you hear an English word in that? Of course you can. Ethnic or ethnicity. Jesus is not thinking about nation states. Well, for one thing, they didn't even come into being until 1848 and the Peace of Westphalia. He was speaking about ethnic groupings, and there are ethnicities by the thousands around the world, and many of those ethnic groups do not have a gospel 
translated into their heart language. In fact, two members of our congregation, John Opkenorth, the president of Words of Hope, and John Wagenveld, who leads the Multiplication Network, have dedicated their lives to this very thing, to making sure that everyone everywhere hears the good news of Jesus. I find that very challenging. I mean, it's one thing to say, as I often say in a sermon, you may be the only Bible that some people read, the only gospel that some people experience, and, and that's true. But most of us are just going to walk the streets of Holland or Grand Rapids. Some of us may venture to the East Coast or the West Coast, but even in those cases, we're not even remotely close to all the ethnicities of the world, and the gospel must be proclaimed to every ethnic gathering in the world. I, I find that very, very challenging. But now there's one, one last thing that I want to point up, um, and this is deeply moving to me, and I want it to be to all of us. Listen to Jesus saying this, and you will be hated by all because of my name, but those who endure to the end will be saved. I spent a little time thinking about that. The word endure, well, one English word, is actually two Greek words, hupo menes, hupo menes. Menes simply means to hang around or to hang in there. Hupo is the word that gives us our English word, hyper. Jesus is saying to his disciples, hang in there in a hyper way. Stick to it. Hang together. Hold on tightly. You know, um, Nancy and I have been married for now over 50 years, and our first date, I kind of hesitate to tell you this, but our first date was to go to the, the Knickerbocker Theater. It wasn't called the Knickerbocker at that time, but to see the new release of the George C. Scott movie, Patton. I know you're laughing because you think, well, that was a romantic first date. But it was George Patton who once said, courage is fear holding on one second longer. And that's right. That's why Jesus is saying, and those who hold on one second longer will be saved. And I think that is exactly what we need to be saying to people all around us. Hang on just one second longer. I can think of a lot of people that I would like to say that to. For one, I would like to say that to all of the people who are suffering anguish in Uvalde, Texas. Hang on one second longer and you'll be saved. I would like to say that to President Zelensky in the Ukraine. Hang on one second longer and you will be saved. I'd like to say that to any number of people who have their backs against the wall and they're struggling, they don't think they could hang on another second.
but hupomenes, hyper, hang in there right to the end and you'll be saved. There can't be any quitting. There can't be any stopping because Jesus is wanting us to hang in there right to the end. I, I think I'd better wrap this up, but I want to show you one other picture. It's actually a black and white picture. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I, I, I can't pick out where she is, but in that picture is a beautiful woman named Edith Hamelink. Edith was a member of Christ Memorial Church a long, long time ago when I was the pastor there. She was a wonderful woman. She prayed for me and for Nancy, for our children. Our children walked by her house on their way to Lakeview School from the parsonage at Christ Memorial every day, and they would stop there and have milk and cookies and revel in her kindness. She was a dear woman. But I want to tell you something. Lurking within her body, unknown to her, was a disease that would kill her. Inch by inch, ounce by ounce, she was losing her life. And I'm going to move forward to her last days at Holland Hospital. I remember visiting her on many occasions just to cheer her on and to pray her up. But on that last day, she was sleeping, and I waited for her to awaken. And I held her hand for a while. We had a few exchanges. And then she, she winced. And I said, oh, Edith, does it hurt? She said to me, I have never felt such pain or known more joy. Think of it, Tim. Soon I will be with Jesus. That's the point. Hang in there because soon you will be with Jesus. Jesus gives us this great story of the end so that we will hang in there right to the end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Father, whatever trials we are experiencing, give us the grace to hang in there, to endure whatever comes our way, and how we pray for those around the world who are suffering great injustices and deep difficulties. Give them the grace to hear you say, and those who endure to the end will be saved. In your blessed name we pray. Amen.